Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Boys and girls, <clears throat> oh, that's a, another great start to this all. Oh, man. Today's Friday. It's just after 2 p.m. Of course, we had to have some typical muddied waters uh, issues. Uh, that's It's got to be trademarked at this point. Somebody out there has got to trademark it for us. Um, man. It's Friday. I'm so glad you guys are here with me. Thank you guys so much. Yes, I am Jason Lyon, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. If you guys are catching us not on Facebook and you're wondering why, that's just another one of the, the things that we're struggling with right now. So Facebook doesn't really want us. I don't know why. We've been good for Facebook. Facebook's been good to us for the most part. I, they took away our like button, but we can we can let uh, let that sit where it may. Um Today I've got a hell of a show lined up. Uh, I've got the one and only David Fight coming on to talk about candidates. As we look at, into the future, as we see the Libertarian Party convention coming up at the end of next month, as we see a midterm elections coming up this November, as we see the primaries ongoing now, uh, how do you decide on what a good candidate is? How do you determine whether they're telling you the truth or just telling you what you want to hear? Um, and of course, how can you really fact check a candidate um, based on what they're saying within their messaging? So uh, a lot of great information today uh, centering around um, all the different elections coming up. And so I think it's incredibly important that as we move into this uh, area uh, of time that we have these discussions because all too often we kind of get lax and we we, we build up our our. Um, our views and everything else. So I'm excited to have this conversation today with David fight. Um, but of course, before that, we got to give a couple thank yous. Thank you to each and every one of you guys for hopping in here, hanging out with me today, this wonderful, beautiful Friday, April 22nd. Uh, thank you guys so much for that. Thank you to Matt and spike for continuing to give me a platform to give you guys my views, my stances, my, uh, opinions on things. And of course, to allow me to have guests coming on Uh big shout out to Brian, Scott Lambrick and to Jenny for the intro which I've been using for a while now, and I've not been giving them as many thanks as I needed to. Uh, big shout out to Nate Luke for the hold music that you guys get before we come on here. Uh, it's amazing what, what people within the movement are doing in order to help each other be uh, to grow and to build. Um, so thank you to everyone involved on that. And of course, if you guys are looking to find us normally, we'd be on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Float, and Odyssey. And uh, you can find us there and everywhere, of course. And if you're not finding us live, which I, I understand Friday 2 p.m. can be difficult, but if you got the time and you're checking us out live, thank you for that. If you want to catch us later on, you can always catch us on your favorite podcast app. Um, you can take us on the go, whether it's me, Matt, or Spike. It'll always be a good time, and we always have amazing guests when we do have guests. Uh, quick, quick plug before we get into uh, my next plug. What's going on, Stoner? Um, is that this Sunday we do have a special 
podcast coming for you guys. Uh, you guys have been asking for it. Muddied Murica is coming back. I will be sitting down with Matt Wright. We're going to be parsing through a new piece of legislation um, centered around a new DUI law in Tennessee. Hmm. Interesting stuff there. Um, so new legislation, new conversations, people are getting emotional, and we're going to give you guys the information you need to parse through that. So I'm excited for that. I hope you guys are as well. That's going to be this Sunday night, 8 p.m. Um, and of course, if you're not able to make it Sunday night, you can always catch that replay and all of our other exclusive content and join in on the monthly muddied zooms by going on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe. And you could go over there just for the price of a couple lattes a month. You'll be able to help support the team, make our dreams become a reality, help grow this platform and help us reinvest into all of you and the content you guys are receiving. Uh, so go head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe. And of course, the last little bit that I, I have to do, of course, to pay the bills around here is I have to get my shout outs. My love for the people who help make this uh, podcast a reality for me. And that, of course, starts off with having a little bit of knowledge. So if you're looking to have a, have some nugs, have some knowledge, and have some love in between those, head on over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code uh, BEARDEDTRUTH. You'll get 10% off. It's going to help you guys. Uh, make sure you guys are friendly with the green stuff, of course, when you're purchasing. But legally, they can't really talk about the products that they have. But I trust, I if you trust me, I'll trust you that you're going to pick something great that's going to help you with that knowledge, with that nug of love, and you're going to have a great time with that. So head over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code bearded truth you'll get you'll get a nice fat 10 percent discount it's going to be amazing also want to give a shout out to kelsey lion designs if you guys are a business if you are a, a facebook page a youtube if you've got a podcast you've got a, a events coming up you're a candidate you need kelsey lion designs in your life Head on over to KelseyLionDesigns.com. She's going to help you out with anything and everything you need for branding and for uh, packaging in order to help get your message sold. Get on over to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Use the code MUDDIEDWATERS or BEARDEDTRUTH and uh, she'll, she'll give you a nice discount and it will revolutionize the way that people look at you and your endeavors. Oh, almost took out the wrong thing there. Um, and with that... I'm so happy to have him come back. David has been an amazing man, uh, a principled man, and been making uh, some moves and and shaking things up a bit. So I'm excited to have him back. David, how's it going, man? For having me back on the show, it's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Welcome back. And uh, so, uh, last time we had you on, we were talking. I believe that one was a little bit about cannabis and and, and freedom and everything else. I may be wrong because it may have been on your podcast. I don't remember. Uh, yes. We've done a couple episodes together and they all kind of blur for me yeah. too. Because last time we did yours and mine almost back to back, it was like we within did. a week and a half to each other. I don't know which conversation was in which episode. Yeah, no, but it was a it was a fantastic time every time. And, and so I'm glad to have you back. And um, getting to know you and seeing kind of what you've been doing, the reason why I wanted you to come on to talk about this topic is because you're not somebody who we would call a partisan person um, in, in the absolute terms. You look beyond the party in order to find great candidates. You engage on a level that most people aren't accustomed to. You work for campaigns. You work with campaigns. You work with candidates that you don't agree with everything upon you work to to influence them to change them 
so you've got a wealth of knowledge in this arena of let's see how we can actually affect candidacies or and how we can affect elections um so laying that out you're currently working on a campaign that's not a libertarian one uh um, correct it's an independent one and i think that that may be a way forward for us to make some changes um mm -hmm. my first question to you as we dive into this how do you when you're sitting at home and you're like i want to work for a campaign what are the first couple things that that come to your mind before you hop on board with somebody well to be perfectly honest with you the the first step is how did i find out about it like the campaign that i'm working on right now uh, i'm working for a man named christopher thrasher who's a longtime libertarian party uh yeah, he's been all over doing every, I don't know what job title to give him. Uh, mostly he's a campaign manager. Um, and I got connected with him about this job through Jess Mears, who's also an amazing, wonderful human who I love dearly and would do almost anything for. So when people like that come to me with a candidate, I'm already interested and, and listening. Uh, even if I didn't like the guy, I might've taken this job just because it was Jess and Chris. Um, yeah. And on top of that, uh, his, he, his background is not in politics and his platform, although kind of uh, weak in my mind, uh, not, not fully put together yet, uh, it's all dedicated to being a nonpartisan, non-duopoly voice in Congress, being a third option on the ballot. Uh, the only like really normal policy planks that he hits on is he is pro-cannabis and pro-vaccine but anti-mandate so like he walks the line on the the vaccine stuff he actually did uh like he self-funded and, and fundraised to fund a big psa campaign when the boosters came out about like talking to your family and friends about getting boosted which i don't agree with it but i'd rather somebody with money and time and energy be doing this privately trying to encourage people than be advocating for mandates or laws or anything like that so he's i think his head is in the right place yeah um so yeah and he's he's an independent he has a better shot at winning this election than a libertarian or a democrat would um and honestly, the really weird thing is that I have been asked, I've been here for like two and a half weeks now, I have been asked at least seven or eight times if he was running as a libertarian by people who I'm gathering their signature. Because uh, mm -hmm. I'm in Indiana, where the word libertarian isn't a curse word like it is in most states. Oh, so it's, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> right. Like the, honestly, it's been such a white pill being here in Indiana and just talking to people on a daily basis that know what the word libertarian is, know what it means and has a positive opinion of it. It's kind that's of nuts. A, that's, that is, that is nuts. And, and, um, I want to, I want to dissect a little bit of that. So you, you'd said that, um, your candidate doesn't exactly have like a, a big history in, in politics. And I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of us, a lot of voters really resonate with that because it's the idea that they aren't, they aren't tainted yet mm -hmm. and um but i think a, a, another important aspect of that is that they are impressionable um if you have experience in this realm if you have a good philosophy you can kind of take a little bit of that um look I, I i'll take you under my wing and help you kind of be able to form opinions around these um 
these stances that you have and work with them in order to to move them on them. I think that um, we spoke before previously about I'm dropping her name. The libertarian heartthrob from the Democrat Party ran for president. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. There we go. Hall of my word. Mm-hmm. How about that name drop? Um, <laughs> but you you worked with her and you helped influence some of her stances on things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's somebody who's been within the party. That's somebody who's been within the Democrat Party. That's somebody who's been growing around this for, for some time. But somebody who's new, who, who's from the outside, you have that ability to influence them and i think that that's important for us as we as we look out um as predominantly libertarians being viewers of this if you can find that outsider who has some good stances some stances you agree with right not being in favor of mandates how can you influence them on things to help give them a better view on things Mm -hmm. um i think that that's incredibly important so you know as you're working with this candidate now are you I don't know if you can actually talk about it, but are you are you attempting to help influence in, in other areas where he doesn't have a strong leaning one way or the other? Uh, bits and pieces, and I, I will kind of step around what, what I shouldn't talk about, uh, but I can walk that line pretty easily. At the moment, we're really just working on getting the campaign up and running. Policy is a secondary issue to okay. getting him on the ballot at the moment. Uh, right now, we're getting him on the ballot on the basis of give a third option in this election uh, and an outside voice in Congress if he wins. Uh, like, we're just pushing that. Once he's on the ballot, we've launched fully because, uh, honestly, we're, we're kind of trying to run a, a fairly quiet campaign for the moment until the end of June when the FEC filings come out and uh, we show that we've raised way more money than anyone thinks we're raising right now um so we're trying to stay quiet until that makes us not be able to be quiet anymore and then come out loud like look we are an independent campaign with this much money we have are already on the ballot we're already running and here's the thing so we want to kind of already have that when we launch so we're staying quiet so policy is not really a big issue right now uh as soon as that becomes more of what we're talking about yes i will i'll be working with him and really, the to, to go back to your original question, one of the things that I look for in a candidate is the ability to bring things up. If the candidate is in it for the right reasons and they are kind of this outsider, like we were talking about, they care about the people, but they don't know necessarily what the people care about. Mm-hmm. So if you can bring issues to them and be like, hey, this is something that a lot of people care about that has a simple solution that we can offer people. And here's the policy plank. Here's how it works. Go for it. And, you know, they're either going to take that and run with it or they're not the kind of candidate that I want to be working with yeah. unless they have a really good reason why they're not going to take that and run with it. Um, but for the most part, if uh, if they're not going to listen to those kinds of suggestions, they're not going to listen to those same kind of suggestions from their constituents after they're elected yeah no absolutely i think that that's an incredible point um i kind of want to i kind of want to shift gears a little bit and thinking about this as as somebody who's not going to be engaged in the voter um kind of some of the process because as we have like libertarian party convention coming up at the end of may um there's a lot of a lot of seats being filled (laughs) a lot of seats being filled and, and a lot of candidates vying for your vote some of them are out there aggressively trying to you know keep their name in the hat and we've got 
different caucuses working for their candidates and, and helping get them um, get them awareness. Um, but when it comes to specific individuals, um, what are some of the things that um, you kind of look for when it comes to who you'll support, who you'll vocally support and who you'll endorse? As far as the LNC goes, uh, my one and only concern is how will they do at that job? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a secondary concern is how good of a person are they? Uh, you know, I, I do take their moral character into account somewhat, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's a far below the, how are they going to do with the job? So for instance, the two loudest endorsements that I've made for LNC right now are Todd Hagopian for treasurer and Eric Rodsep for vice chair. Those two people have demonstrated in their careers that they can not only do the job that they're running for, but they can do that job for an organization 10 times as big. Yeah. They've done it. They continue to do it. They've done it better than anyone else in the party. Todd Hagopian has managed more money uh, at a time than the Libertarian Party has ever received in donations over its entire 50 years combined. Like, that's just an objective fact. Yeah. He knows what he's doing, and he's going to be a great treasurer. No disrespect to Tim Hagen. He's been good so far, but he's keeping us here, and Todd can bring us up. I think the same thing about Eric Rodsepp. He not only can do the job of vice chair, but he actually has bylaw amendments in place or like being proposed in Reno that would make that job a little bit harder. Uh, Give him a little bit more, not even power or authority, just responsibility. And we'll be able to do that because he wants to split chair and vice chair into like CEO, COO, basically which I, coming from a business background, I think that's an incredible idea. And I think Rob Sepp, being a former COO multiple times over, could do that. Uh, so like those two people, absolutely amazing for the jobs that they're running for. And I support them wholeheartedly. Like I, I also both, I also like both of them as humans. I think they're both great people. But if Rob Sepp was kind of a dick, I would still be supporting him. I just also think he's amazing. I, I, there's, there's a, a, a saying that I heard that's like, you want to hire somebody for the job. You don't want to hire them because they're a good person. And, and speaking to that idea, there, there are certain things, of course, that I, I will be like, you know, uh, of course, this will take you out of the race for me if you do this, that, or the other. But I think that at the end of the day, right, do you want a surgeon who's going to perform surgery on you to be a good person or to be a good surgeon? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I agree with that. And that's something that I, th- I feel like a lot of people have to grapple with. You don't have to like the person, but if that person is going to be good in that job, um, you, and, and of course we'll dive into how do we discern who's going to be doing a good job? Who, uh, how do, how do we take what they say on the campaign trail of what they're going to do? And how do we measure that? to be able to make sure that we're making the right decision. Cause of course, everyone on the campaign trail has their campaign managers or has somebody in their ear telling them, this is what you have to say. But at the end of the day, when you look at their track record, it's like you started talking about this as soon as you started campaigning. And before that you were amongst the crowd, amongst the mob pushing for, for division. Now you're calling for unity. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the pick. Um, that you said of Todd Hagopian. Um, I, I like, I haven't had many interactions with Eric, so I, I can't say one way or the other on there. I heard that there's a, a potential candidate 
who's going to be announced nominated the day of in Reno. Uh, I'm kind of excited. I'm aware. Yeah, I'm kind of excited for that one. Uh, so if you guys are in the audience, of course, stay tuned. I may be talking about that the week before the show, before convention happens. So stay tuned for the state of the LP with Jason Lyon. Um, but I think that, you know, looking at the chair race, this is probably the most well-known race in the entire LP right now for the LNC, right? To become the chair. Right now, you've got three major contenders that are, are kind of vying for the top. You've got uh, Angela McArdle, you've got Tony DeRazio, and you've got Steve Dosbach. Um, these are three people that don't fall into the same group as one another. These are very diverse candidates. And, and so, you know, looking at their rhetoric on the campaign trail versus how they are in normal day politics, I think is important. Um, and of course, that's up for the viewer to decide on, on how to look at that. But talk me through a, a process of how you how you would look at them and how you'd make a determination. If you were to come in right now into the party and look at those three, how would you determine which one you'd pull the lever for? Hmm. It's a great question. And while I while I think of how I want to answer that, I want to say something real quick. Because especially if people watched my last episode on your show, and I get this question a lot on Twitter, because I'm not in the party anymore, right? So I get asked a lot why I give a shit about any of this, why I'm even going to Reno, because I'm not a delegate. Um, I'm not going to be voting for any of these candidates, but I have endorsed some of them, and I've had the chair debate, and I do care. And the reason that I care is because I'm leaving the party not because I hate it, but because I want to put my energy elsewhere. I need the Libertarian Party to still exist, succeed, and grow next to me while I'm doing other things. So that's why I care. I want to see it succeed. I'm not one of those leave it and burn it down kind of people. So I just want to make that perfectly clear. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's a lot of people that are leaving and trying to throw matches and lit bombs behind them as they leave. I'm not gonna, I'm not like that. I need the LP to succeed. Uh, as far as the chair candidates, if I was joining the party right now, and I had no idea about any of the history, about anything, my choice would be pretty easy and it would be Angela McCarthy. Okay. Uh, the, how, how, how would you come to that conclusion? Uh, purely based off of her, her time and dedication to things that I think actually matter. Mm -hmm. uh, her work with the, uh, the, the mask mandate uh, petitions, both in LA and New York City, especially the fact that she did it in New York City because she doesn't live there. Uh, doing stuff in LA was cool. That's her home city. Like I'm all for working local. That's awesome. The fact that she also did something in the state, like the other side of the country where no one in the New York City LP had the balls to do that. Uh, but Angela McArdle from California is doing more for freedom of, for New York City residents than the city party is. So like, that's a big deal for me. Uh, and honestly, watching the Mises caucus grow and do this takeover, if I didn't know how they started or what their how bullshit their original rhetoric was and how they came in attacking almost exclusively my caucus and my friends, um, I would have appreciated watching them come in and grow and seeing all of these young, fairly decent looking, fairly personable. Like the Mises caucus doesn't fit the autistic neckbeards from their mom's basement like stereotype like the rest of the lp does they're Stop actually like normal-ish people bro mine i need to shave more than you do bro <laughs> 
but your uh, beard looks amazing i appreciate that <laughs> um but no and and, and of course i don't want to i don't want to dive into the topic of like mises versus anti-mises um because i think that, that 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 should be left for the party members i think you know kind of jumping off a little a bit of the bandwagon what you're talking about there of not being a part of the party but still needing the party to be successful i think that 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 resonates with so many people because we're seeing so many people in the party leave they're not trying to throw those matches they're just trying to grow and they're saying look my energy my efforts would be better suited in other areas than working for this party i hope you guys are successful i hope that you guys could become that third party that's actually just challenging the power structure and the everything there um but, you know, I'm going to go work for this pack. I'm going to go work for this organization. I'm going to go work with these legislators. I'm going to go work with these communities and the grassroots and the criminal justice system, yada, 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 where they can have immensely more impact in our communities and make changes. Um, so, you know, as as I'm looking out and I'm working with other organizations, I go, yeah, I'm not dedicating the same amount of time to the LP. There's a reason for that. Um mm-hmm. So I think that that's important. So I think that you hit on a lot of good notes there of like talking about what has this candidate done? Um, you know, you, you mentioned Angela McArdle where she was working across the country as a chair or as, as an individual in order to promote Liberty. So she's not just stuck in where she is. She, um, she did come from the basis of, of freedom and Liberty on that. I mean, as we talk as COVID is still a centerpiece for a lot of people to discuss for it's not my forte it's not something i like to to argue Mm. about much but as people do have those discussions this was a a very pivotal point in this nation in in recent history and she was out there in the front runner that was that absolutely commendable so she's got those things and i think that you know also talking about experience within the party experience of, of she was she is the chair or vice chair Correct of LA. She is the chair of LA County, and she is the secretary of California State. LA County is a larger affiliate than I, th- I think, currently twenty-seven of the state affiliates. Yep. So, yeah. so yeah, it's it's big. massive, and and so I think that those are those are things that we have to look at when we're trying to discern a candidate. Um, looking at the work experience, look at how their experience. Thinking about it from like a job interview. You want to see the resume. You want to see what they've done, what things actually correlate, right? So if I'm going to go work in the grassroots, they don't need to know that I was pushing shopping carts at Walmart for six months. They need to know that I was engaging with customers while pushing shopping carts. And so finding things that are relevant within the history of what has she done to accomplish this? And, and of course, we can go through the other two candidates as well and kind of their experience and, and where their their background comes from. Um but that's a big one. And I think campaigning also highlights another big topic in this. As we look at, you know, Cajun Libertarian had a, a debate uh, amongst the three chairs. And, and we've mm-hmm. seen uh, a couple other people doing that as well. I think you said you had one as well. I did just the two. Uh, okay. It was after Dazbach announced, but like a few days. And I don't like Steve and I don't. Like I was having a debate between the two people I was considering for chair, okay. uh, and Dazbach's not on my shortlist. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> but so we've seen these, and so we've seen how they're engaging on the campaign trail, if you will. I don't know if we can mm-hmm. call it a campaign trail because mostly it's all virtual, but um, <laughs> it, it's just weird, just coming from that different scope. But 
how do you discern who is speaking true to what they believe and and what they will do in office versus I'm saying this because it looks good on my campaign? That's a really good question because I don't think any of the three people that we're talking about right now are campaigning honestly in any way, shape, or form. I think, and I really don't like talking shit about really any of these three people because I do respect all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Angela has been two-faced on more than one issue throughout this campaign. Uh, she is a loudly pro-choice libertarian uh, who has been very quiet about that over the last few months because of her caucus affiliation and what the leadership of that caucus wants. Uh, there's a few other issues similarly where she, where Angela is a better libertarian than most people give her credit for just because she's quieter on the issues that actually count in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think that that's an issue that's a deal breaker for the record. Uh, but so she's already done that kind of stuff. She's been very pro like left libertarian. Like we want to bring in left libertarians, and libertarian socialists and grow the party. And then couple days later i get sent a different screenshot that's basically the exact opposite uh you know agreeing with takes like lp new hampshire that like socialists aren't welcome in the party uh so i've seen her do that tony is basically the exact opposite he says neither he just is is a is a bland opinionless candidate uh (laughs) just doesn't really stand for anything and that's why i don't support him i've told him that to his face Uh, I think he's wishy-washy and that's not something that drives well with the head figure of a national political party. You need to be able to actually have some of your own opinions and just being like, eh, whatever the people want, uh, kind of Aaron Burr, you know. I think that's that's, that's an incredible thing right there because you kind of, you said it without saying it, but there's a populist movement within the libertarian party and just being popular within the libertarians isn't necessarily going to mean that you stand for libertarianism at the end of the day, you're going to stand for whatever people kind of want you to. If you find that to be convincing as a member of the libertarian party and you say, I want to have somebody who's just going to kind of bend the way that 51, 50% plus one says, that's the way you want to go on this. Um, As opposed to, you know, I, I, I've sat down and I've tried to reason out every stance that I have against the libertarian philosophy to see if the libertarian philosophy is the correct decision or if what I've come to is the correct decision. And I stand on those values indefinitely. Um, I'm open for challenges. I'm open for those things. But it, my stance today is where I'm standing. And, and I, don't, I won't bend on that just because you say, I, well, 50 plus 1 want me want you to change that's an incredible thing when it comes to a candidate how much of a populist are they or how much are they driven by principles um and that's got to be something that you have to be able to discern um so we 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 mentioned two of them you've already mentioned that you're you you don't really like steve but for fairness let's go ahead and, and and discuss him as well i mean he definitely so the the things that i will very much give steve is he has the experience so if if what you're if you're watching this and you're still undecided and what you're looking for is like 
well, at least the party won't crumble in the next two years before the next chair election. Like FEC filings will go through all right. Like shit will still stay-ish. Dasbach is probably your best choice. Uh, he is a four steps backwards, but still on the, the platform that we're on without like falling off into, into like complete disarray. Uh, so I will give him, you know, he was the chair, he was an executive director, he was Joe's campaign manager, he has the experience. However, uh, those three things that I just mentioned, if you actually look at what he was doing while he was in those positions, I have some critiques, especially that last one, because Joe's campaign was an absolute shit show. Granted. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to receive too much hate mail. So I've got to give some, some positive feedback for all three candidates. Yeah, real quick. That's why I'm taking all the shit for you. Cause like <laughs> I can get hate mail from these guys. I don't care. I'm yeah. living with Tony DeRazio's campaign manager right now. See, there we go. Um, so with, with Angela, one thing that I do like about her is that she does have a much bigger media presence than the other two. Um, she is somebody who goes out there and gets onto debates, philosophical libertarian debates. She's, she's not afraid to stick her neck out and, and have those conversations and meet that conflict. Um, in many circumstances. Um, I think that that's certainly some circumstances where she's kind of driven around the bush a little bit, but that's fine. Um, for Tony, I think that Tony is probably the, the person that I see as the most impressionable, the one that we can actually see some difference because of maybe because of that populism. But I've also challenged Tony and Tony said, Jason, you're absolutely right. Like I was wrong in that instance. I'm sorry. I'm human like that. There having humility, I think is something that Tony has a leg up on, on the rest of, of the competition. And for Steve, you know, being a former LNC chair, having uh, the numbers that he did and, and kind of understand the networking on the inside. I think that that's something that, you know, the party would be remiss without having. So all three of them have got some some pitfalls, of course. Some of them have some some positives. Who am I endorsing? Absolutely none of them. Um, I, I, I can't endorse any of them um, from a journalistic standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint. I have not made that endorsement, and I don't know that I will be. Um, but stay tuned. Potentially at the state of the LP, I may make an endorsement um, the week before convention. I do want to mention one thing because I, I gave the if you're blank, Dasbach is your candidate uh, yeah. spiel. I want to say the same thing for Tony. Uh, if you're, I think the, the correct plan for if you're a Tony supporter is put Tony in charge and then ha care much more who the rest of the LNC is. Because uh, like you said, the, the, if, if you put someone up there that's going to go with the 50% plus one, you just got to make sure that the 50% plus one is going to always come to a principled opinion of some sort. And I do think Tony at the helm with a split LNC that's coming to very, very toughly negotiated, contentious uh, decisions. I think he wouldn't be terrible in that role uh, just because he's not going to try to push his opinion through that. He will actually listen to the concerns of the, the entire body. Uh, but again, I just, I don't, I don't like him in a leadership role. Uh, granted. Um, so I wanna, I wanna... That's state drama. Like he's from my state. So we have, we have old got history. drama there. Yeah. You got a yeah. lot of history there and, and that's fine. So I want to, I want to take it away from the LP for a little bit and, and get you into another, yeah. another circumstance. Um, okay. So you are Joe Schmo living out in the middle of BFE 
you've got two candidates on your ballot. One is Democrat, one is Republican. That's it. No third options. You've got, um, <clears throat> I want to know, how do you decide on what your priorities are to find what, what aligns with you? As, as we are libertarians, small L libertarians, big L libertarians, we kind of have our own priority list as to um, what are the principles most valuable to me? If you if you're somebody who values like gun rights, somebody who values you know um, gun rights, school choice, things like that, right? That's going to be on the right side of the aisle. But you also value things like cannabis and and criminal justice reform and healthcare. How do you how do you determine um, from your priority list? the um the integrity of these candidates to actually make a stand for what you believe in because i think that um to to reference why this is an important question is because we often see candidates that will campaign and say i'm gonna fight for your gun rights and you have gun rights advocates say that's my candidate he gets into office he or she gets into office and they go Oh, I'm not going to fight for that. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that and, and everything else. And so I think that there's a lot of failures there. How do you, how do you find out when your priorities are in alignment with a candidate um, that they'll fall through or B um, when you have two candidates that both are fighting for things higher in your priority list, how do you determine which, which way you're going to go with those? So I'll be honest, I've never been in this hypothetical where there's two great candidates on my ballot, but I worked in a couple of camp on a couple of campaigns where our opponent was decent. Um, <clears throat> so my two priorities are guns and drugs, uh, which does make it kind of difficult, you know, what you're talking about there. Uh, and for me, it comes down to where do they actually stand on those two things? Because every Democrat, for the most part, unless they're an idiot from like West Virginia or Virginia, or, you know, some of those weird blue states that can still get away with this, every Democrat is pro cannabis. I worked for Tulsi Gabbard because Tulsi Gabbard was straight up legalized heroin because the war on drugs is evil, or de decriminalized heroin at least. Yeah, right. It's a commander um, stance. That is a much different stance than your average Democrat. Uh, her and Yang were the only two people that talked about anything past cannabis in the 2020 primary. Uh, so like that's above and beyond. You can take a similar look at gun rights activists. If they say, oh, I'm going to fight for your gun rights because look at, I have the NRA's endorsement. I'm going to laugh in your face. The Negotiating Rights Association? So if they say, I'm going to fight for your gun rights because I think every gun law is unconstitutional and I want to see a repeal on this, this, or this, then I will, like, I will, I'll even be okay with you only being like pro-medical marijuana or something like that, right? Yeah. But you have to be at least pro-medical marijuana if you're a Republican and you have to at least not want worse gun laws if you're a democrat yeah. or at least not much worse like tulsi gabbard and i disagreed on guns but she was still firmly pro second amendment she just interpreted it differently than i do where obviously most other democrats are like oh the second amendment is dumb and we should get rid of it anyway 
you know, she was handing out pocket constitutions and shouting down these moms that were saying, oh, your gun rights aren't more important than my child's life. And that's a comment that she got at a at a town hall. And she argued with that person and shot them down, as well as the crazy libertarian dude that was calling her a gun grabber. And she like walked that middle ground and she actually had a, a principled stance. So I could I could work with that. Uh, you know, if she was actually a gun grabber, there was no way I would have been on that campaign. So I think that the actual issue is when we just have like a checklist style with the policies. It's like, oh, they're pro-drugs. Oh, they're pro-guns. Oh, they're pro-tax uh, reform. Because those are boxes that are really easy to check through rhetoric and just bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you need to actually figure out where on the spectrum of each of those issues they are and how liberty versus uh, authoritarian. Just authoritarian. Um, I was going to say more just like, uh, man, I'm spacing on that word, whatever. Uh, yeah. If they're, if they're just rhetoricing at you based off of what their parties are used to, then they're probably not as pro-liberty as they sound. Uh, if they are willing to go against the grain to be even more pro-liberty than their own party, then that's where I'll, I'll start to, yeah. to move. No, and that's that's an incredible distinction. You brought something up that I it resonates so much with me. So I live in a deep, deep, deep red area of a deep, 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 deep red state of South Carolina. Um, this is this is MAGA country. This is Trump country. This is you know, uh, like downtown and- Chicago. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it. it it's one of those things that every Republican candidate says I'm pro gun. And I say, my first question is, is how pro gun is pro gun, right? Do you believe that the NFA is, is just, do you believe that it should exist? Do you believe that people should have fully automatic firearms or do you agree with kind of where we are? And you're just saying I'm pro gun because I'm going to stand where we are. And, and this will, this will divide your entire field. And, and so it's one of those things that, as you said, right, you have to find out where they're at on the spectrum. And and I said authoritarian, but maybe I was thinking more of like a pragmatist um, mm. or, or something else where it's like, are they going to stand up and be principled or are they going to let the flow be the flow? And and so, you know, for me, as those things are higher on the priority list, it's like I need to follow up with them. You say you're pro pro gun. What does that mean? How does that look in in your way? Don't come. And oftentimes what I see is um, even some debates I've seen um, where you're asking a candidate something and you give them the answer you want in your question. You want to make these things as open as possible where you say how how pro gun is pro gun. Like, what what does that mean in your view? And when they say, well, you know, I believe in the Second Amendment. Okay, what does that mean, right? Give me an, give me a vision of what that means, and that's when you've got them squirming in their seat because they don't know if you're a pro-gun person, anti-gun person, where you're at on the spectrum, and it's going to look terrible on them if they start asking you questions like, "I'm not running for office, but I'm trying to figure out if I should vote for you or not." Mm-hmm. You got to put them on their spot a little bit, and and so you know as. As we reflect on on the election process and the campaigning process, right, we always look at the national level. But I think that more importantly is looking at the local level where you can have these more intimate conversations. I could send Tulsi Gabbard a thousand tweets. She might not get me until until David Fight retweets it at her. Um, but 
But until that moment, I'm probably not going to get her. But the guy that lives two streets down from me, I could get him anytime I want to. I'm going to find out mm-hmm. where he goes to get coffee. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have these conversations. I'm going to make it ugly for him. But we have to be able to discern those things as we're looking at these candidates. You have to know beyond the, I don't know what the term is, the talking points. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought it was beautiful that you brought that up. I think that's a, a, an incredibly important distinction there. Um, yeah. What? A, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, one of the other things that really gets me about this kind of stuff is especially uh, libertarians and people within the liberty movement are very, very jaded and I want to say partyist. Yes. Like tribalistic, uh, partyist. Uh, you know, if I, because if I told you that I was working for a Texas state house candidate who is running in the Republican primary just outside of Houston, like West Houston, in the extremely wealthy suburban area of Houston. You probably might like configure a person in your head of who that might look like. He's probably not exactly super pro-liberty in a lot of ways, right? Um, And so this is a person I'm actually talking about. I just got done working on this campaign. It was like January, February, and into March. Uh, I believe he actually won. I left before the primary date and I don't know. Um, But this guy uh, was one of the founders and the trustee of a school district that operates within the prison system of the, like the entire state Texas prison system, getting inmates, uh, high school diplomas, GEDs and CTEs with a job placement program into like 75 different fields with a drastic decrease in recidivism across like everyone that joined this school district. That's not probably something that you had in mind when I said right-wing Republican in West Houston, right? (laughs) Engaging in the criminal justice system in a positive way for the community? It's not typical. Right. Um, And, you know, he sits on the state criminal justice board. He is quite pro-police, but he's pro-police because he works with them and he engages with them. He's trying to make them actively better. And in that area, they're not as as bad as in some other areas, you know, dealing with the Houston police was night and day compared to what I'm used to with the NYPD uh, or or other like large cities like that. Uh, So I actually do it traveling and getting to interact with like Southern and Midwestern cops is maybe a little bit less like ACAB fuck 12. Like I I have been for a while because like I've actually had some positive interactions. And uh, so like, I think that one of the biggest issues that we have as liberty activists is just writing people off as soon as we find out that they are, that like they check three of the negative boxes and like, oh, they must be terrible. Like, oh, this guy is pro cop, he must be terrible. But in reality, this guy is doing more for libertarian activism, like anarchistish activism than like yeah. most of us are. Um, and there's so many other things on this dude's resume that are just incredible. And I was very, very pleased to work for him, even though we disagree, you know, he's pro border wall. Okay. Fuck it. I really don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an important thing because it kind of, as you highlighted it is even, so I think that even if you weren't working on this campaign, if you were to see that it's like, that's an area where there is so much common ground that, you know, as we talk about elections, your candidate's not always going to win. And when your candidate doesn't win, there will be a winner. And that winner 
you can either work with them on issues that you agree upon, which I think would be incredible, or you've already burned those bridges during the campaign process because you were out there bad-mouthing them just as much as everybody else. You've lost your own credibility, and now nobody wants to work with you. We can move Liberty forward by continuing to work with candidates even after elections, even if we don't like them on 99.9% of the things. I would love to work with Bernie Sanders on breaking down some of the barriers within healthcare. I disagree with him on 99.9% of the healthcare things that he stands for, but there's some of the things that I agree with him upon. So, you know, it's things like that that we have to kind of have. The Libertarian Party is not the only party doing this, but you have to have a little bit of decorum in the way that you conduct yourself, even as an individual, as just an Mm -hmm. activist or or whatever else. Um, Because I would love to work with him. I don't care that he's a Republican. Working on the criminal justice system, reducing recidivism rates, that's better for the community every Mm -hmm. single time. There's no way to twist that into a negative way. Um, So... Uh, I, I I see we're coming up on time, but I want to I want to give you kind of um, wow an open ended question. Yeah, it's, it flies through. That was that. a quick fucking hour, dude. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. Um, so I want to I when you sit down and you go, here's this election for this seat, and you can create whatever seat you want to, and you've kind of measured out, and both candidates are good, both candidates have good policy, um. How do you how do you decide when it's close on where to go for your vote when we don't have ranked voting? Um, because there are people, you know, if if I can use the LNC chair as an opportunity, there are people that are torn on. Do I vote for um, Tony? Do I vote for Steve or do I vote for Tony or do I vote for Angela or do I vote for Angela or do I vote for Steve? Right. There's there's people that are going to have kind of those well, I like the way that this person worked and that person worked. How do you come through that determination um, to say that this is the candidate that edges it out? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll actually go back to talking about that, that same Republican from Houston, uh, Mono de Ayala is his name. I spaced on it earlier, but I figured out. Um, the, the, The key thing for him that made me say yes uh, well, I mean, I was already working for him when I met him, but that made me like excited and stuck with the campaign. Is he didn't want to go to Washington. I asked him why he was running for state house instead of Congress, and he said because Washington is a complete waste of time, and that he has absolutely no intention of ever running for Congress. He's going to serve two, maybe three terms at the state house, and then go back to his law career. Done. That mindset is the difference maker for me. If you are not power hungry, if you are looking at it as a public servant mentality because you think you are going to be able to do more good for your community with this seat than you are without it, that is what really earns my vote and my support uh, up uh, pretty much on top of everything else. What an important distinction. I'm so glad that you brought that one up. Is that position going to be a stepping stone or is that position where their heart is? Holy smokes, I can't believe I didn't even think about that before. It's, it's, you know, because I, I threw around the idea uh, in my local area of running. And I was like, I'm going to run for state house, and then I'm going to run for state senate. Why would anyone vote for me if running for, for state house if they knew I was just going to run for senate in a couple terms after that? It's, it's got to be discouraging for somebody out there. I mm-hmm. would have been losing votes for that. That's such an incredible, important distinction. Some mistake libertarians make a lot because we talk about that five-year plan 
in our first election often, and it's ridiculous. It's like, oh, I'm gonna run for governor so that I can run for president. No one wants to vote for that. Nobody. Yeah, because if you're doing a good job as governor, why would I want you to go around the country when you could be doing a good job for us and who's going to replace you? Like all too often, I think that we look at politicians and, and they see us as stepping stones. I've got to get this collection of people from my my, you know, my state house district and then I'll go up to my my Senate district and then I'll go to my U.S. house. Then I'll go to my U.S. Senate or governorship. And it's just like. You're just trying to. The thing is, that's how it works. It's how it has to work. Like, if you want to move up, you need those positions as stepping stones. And the other problem that libertarians make is that we don't, we just skip the stepping stones quite often. Uh, but you can't say it out loud. Yeah. Right. You know, we always talk about, you know, how the, the mainstream media has been slipping up the last two or three years heavily, saying the quiet part out loud. They're slipping up saying the quiet part out loud. We just do it. Loud, super yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the quiet part for a reason, guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it really is, and and that's the thing that like looking out there. If I was a, if I knew somebody wanted to use it as a stepping stone, I want them to be a leader first and say, I'm going to go run and I'm going to be in the state house. And while I'm in the state house, I'm going to help build up coalitions to get other people like-minded as me come in, learn from me. I'll learn from them. We will make this place, this state a better place by doing this. And then once I've accomplished that, then I can move up and, and move to the next level. Right. It's just, it's similar to a business, right? You want to have a supervisor that you know, everyone comes in, they're like, I want to become management, right? The people who have that mindset, which is not a lot, uh, which is not a huge portion of the of, of the workforce, but there is a portion of it. If they're just saying, I want to be a supervisor so I can be a manager, it's like, well, you kind of, there's, there's important skills that have to be learned there. And if you can't create new supervisors that are going to follow in your lead, how are you going to be at a management level? with more responsibility. So I think that that's another huge aspect of this. Um, but want to, want to give you, uh, any of your last thoughts, anything else before I wrap us up? Uh, yeah, I just want to make one quick more comment on the like stepping stones thing, because a lot of times that conversation starts at state house. And I think that's wrong. County legislature is where that step starts. Uh, those are much easier races to run, especially if they're district wide, we're talking, a couple hundred to maybe a couple thousand people in your district. We're talking knock on every single door in your district is a doable task. Winning that race is an extremely doable task. Most states, they're not even partisan. So as a libertarian, you're even more likely to win those. And when you, if you are able to get a majority of your county legislature, which again, is not an impossible task, that actually affects elections in a tangible way that you have no ability to do on any other uh, timeline. So if you can get a majority there and then get like uh, a county executive as the head, as a libertarian, who's in control of your county's elections, as a libertarian, the ability for a st uh, state house rep to come out of that county legislature is thousands of yeah. times easier. It's so much easier when the path is, is helped greased for, for new libertarians to come through. David, man, it's been a hell of a conversation. I love all of your input on today. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep the partisanness out of here uh, as much as we can. But there's a lot of great information here. So if you guys missed 
this conversation if you guys came in late i don't i I understand if you guys missed it on facebook i'm sorry we'll figure that out but uh david man i appreciate you your insight your wisdom thank you so much for joining so much for bringing me on this was absolutely amazing i'll come back anytime you want me perfect sounds great all right i will wrap us up and then i will see you in a couple moments sir ah guys girls everybody thank you guys so much for being a part of this today um as we're wrapping this up friday is typically the last show of the week i consider monday the first day of the week for for all you guys wondering sunday night 8 p.m eastern make sure you guys are tuning in here back on muddy waters media we will get facebook working before then uh we're bringing back muddy america so we'll have matt wright and myself parsing through a new dui bill in tennessee it's gonna it's it's a head scratcher it's a hard string puller it's it's gonna need some parsing so join us that that night sunday night 8 p.m eastern we'll be here we'll have a good time with that so i appreciate you guys all um for joining in this week and of course next week we'll see tuesday night with uh spike and matt wednesday with with spike cohen on my fellow americans and thursday night with matt wright and then we'll be back here next friday 2 p.m eastern so i love you guys all appreciate you all for tuning in checking this out for streaming um for for replaying this for sharing this out with your friends and family for supporting it liking sharing commenting all that stuff you guys are all amazing for that thank you guys so much and i will see you guys this sunday night 8 p.m eastern be good be well and i'll see you guys soon